It is Wednesday, December 21st, 2021. This is the Fantasy Finish Line Podcast. Tonight is the Week 16 NFL Preview. Time to flex. Cheers. Cheers. Jason, back again, a little earlier than normal. A little earlier, maybe we'll uh, get a little bit of uh, participation from the audience live. That would be always welcome. We are going to have audience questions later in the broadcast. So if you have some uh, or want to grab some information from your leagues to formulate a a question, please do so. Uh, If you're listening on uh, the podcast bands instead of on YouTube, you can send it via email to jason at drink5.com or daviddrink5.com. Excellent. So, yeah, this is the Fantasy Finish Line podcast. I am Jason. Across from me here is Dave, as always. So um, we just wanted to thank you guys for listening, remind you, go to our YouTube channel, subscribe, and follow us on Twitter. Um, You know, the usual stuff. We'll, We'll, you know, boilerplate that at some point in our lives, I'm sure. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I think we've talked about this. I think that uh, that next year, for example, that we'll just have a um, like 25-second intro that says all that stuff. Okay. But you've said it so many times now that you probably uh, it comes up in your dreams, you know, <laughs> maybe nightmares, depending on how... Every cool. Wednesday morning, I wake up just murmuring it in my sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dave, uh, what is it that you've got to drink over there? We've got a little bit of the same this time around. Um, so it looks like red wine. I have a, a. I don't know what kind of red wine it is. My fiance and I have a an advent calendar that's all wine. There are 375 milliliter <sighs> bottles. This particular wine, and there are wines of all kinds that we open up, uh, is a Spanish red. I think it's a Tempranillo, uh, but I am not absolutely sure about that. But we have gotten into wines over the past several years, uh, and so this was a fun advent calendar thing to do. Uh, of course, I, I'm not letting the the beers go by. Um, so I have a couple of new Glarus beers that are available. Very good. Yeah. Yes, we've got the Fat Squirrel. We've also got the Blueberry Cocoa Stout. Uh, we enjoyed both of those over the weekend while we were skiing, and uh, that Blueberry Cocoa Stout especially is excellent. And I really like this red wine too. I think I like the Spanish reds for sure. Okay. So. Uh, Finally starting to understand a few of the things in wine that I like. Claro que sí. Yeah. I'll just have to drink more wine to learn more about and, it. And that's it, isn't it? Uh, to to understand and learn more about beer, you must drink more beer. To understand and learn more about whiskey, you must drink more whiskey. And uh, I, personally, I am a fan of, of that philosophy. All right. <laughs> what a wonderful cycle we found ourselves in. So, um, last week we did a bet. Uh, it was our first bet in quite a while. And we... Uh, set lineups, which is sort of like our standard bet lately this year. Um, so we essentially drafted lineups based on Dave's rankings, which you can find on our website, drink5.com. Uh, Dave is one of the Fantasy Pros experts uh, where, you know, when you go to the Fantasy Pros and all the experts are aggregated and they come to a consensus, you know, he's one of them. But in order to see just Dave's rankings, which are quite good, then you need to go to our website. So what we did was we picked guys that were clustered together and you know, drafted them, and I finally came out on top of it on bet this year. I think it's the first one of the year that I've won. 
Um, my starting lineup of Patrick Mahomes, Javante Williams, Mike Williams, and Dallas Goddard netted me 64.1 points. Good for a 22-point victory. 21-point victory. Um, Congratulations. So it, you know, got me some pizza today. I'm very happy about that. And to be fair, the, the, the bet was pick three really sandwiched together close in the rankings guys, which is kind of a fun way to do it. Right. Um, but all very dependent on the variables that happen afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the most part, these guys performed similar. Like the three running backs, Javante Williams, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and Saquon Barkley, all scored between 7.4 and 10.1 points. Good, they should. And then the three, the three wide receivers... Van Jefferson, Mike Williams, and Terry McLaurin between 4.3 and 6.4 points. So they were all disappointing. Well, we know, <laughs> and I don't know if we're going to talk about this specifically, but that information is probably in your statistically uh, inaccurate. Uh, uh, That's a good spinoff column. <laughs> what is the name of the column? Statistically insignificant. Insignificant column that's on drink5.com. I assume you talked about the fact that this past week, week 15 in fantasy football, was uh, was one of the lowest scoring weeks of all time in NFL history. Um, I don't think I actually brought that up. Okay. Um, I, it sort of happened um, you know, coincidentally because what, what you saw is that the top running back and the top quarterback were owned in 13 and 14% of Flea Flicker Leagues, respectively. Yeah. And I don't think that that changed based on Tuesday's games. So, um, you know, that was really just something that uh, – and then, like, Tom Brady – through the 48 pass attempts and had zero points. Uh, zero real points, not fantasy this points. This is one of those times where I would really like to have access to the data that a lot of the fantasy league sites have so that you could you could do a little bit of analysis to see, for example, um, were most of the teams that were projected to win uh, the games in the first round of the fantasy playoffs actually the ones that didn't win because of the shakeup that occurred this week? Yeah. Uh, or was was there some other conclusion that you could draw? But I think we always say things like, there's been a ton of injuries, there's never been this many injuries, there's never been this many touchdowns, whatever. This is something that's actually backed up uh, factually, mm-hmm. that this past week has been a, the lowest scoring fantasy week uh, of maybe all time. Yeah. I mean, I know that it was the fewest number of touchdowns on a NFL Sunday um, that uh, was reported by Scott Hansen, and it didn't change on Sunday night football because they didn't score any touchdowns on Sunday night. But there were three games that were moved to Monday and, and Tuesday. That's true, but yeah. in any given bye week, you're usually down by three games. Yeah. So it wasn't any different than a lot of weeks in the NFL. So it was rough sledding confirmed by Mr. Hansen. Yes, definitely confirmed by him and you know anecdotally speaking you brought up you know our teams losing that were supposed to win and stuff and on reddit i saw there was a lot of guys who were like in their number one seed and they're like i'm glad i had the buy because look what my team did they scored 60 points this week yeah exactly if there was a good week to have a bye week this was probably it where everything was just in chaos and yes. it was a lot of fun being out there dodging flaming embers and you know trying to uh um, make a life for yourself among the uh, post-apocalyptic world that we live in now. All week long, you're just wondering, <laughs> like, okay, I'm going to load Roto World every 30 minutes and find another player on the COVID list. Yeah, it was something. You know, it's like you just hear a cough in the distance, and you know another player has gone down. And they're going down, folks. Yes. Um, but but thankfully, that the the number of players that have gone down, uh, that, that sort of... Um, 
line that just kept moving across has has started to die down a little bit. A lot having to do with, I think, the adjusted rules that the NFL put out there. Yeah, they've changed the protocols. Um, I don't know them all exactly. I believe um, part of it has to do with vaccinated players are not being tested on a regular basis anymore, only if they're exposed, I believe, or showing symptoms. There's still random testing, but yes, what you said is accurate. Okay. So, like, when a player has a good game, they're going to get tested for COVID. Yeah. Isn't that how it always works? <laughs> kind of like the steroid testing. Yeah. So, it was like, um, I don't know, Julian Edelman, you had three games in a row where you had 12 receptions. Yeah. You clearly are on something. Right. right. There's a lot of guarana in your system. Uh, but, yeah, so the, so the results of the of the bet are in. You win, and the, and the result was pizza, and I hope that was good for you. I was very happy with the pizza. All right. Um, so uh, I want to get into a sort of procedural issue that I noticed across most of my leagues this week um, before we dive into our normal things, and that's that people aren't using the flex slash super flex position correctly. Um, so we've been involved in fantasy football for years. I've been probably playing for 12 years. Um and playing other fantasy leagues longer than that. So um, what what surprises me is that people still don't use the flex position correctly. So when you go through your lineup, let's say uh, on like a, a Wednesday after mm-hmm. the waivers have gone through, assuming that your league has waivers that go through on a Wednesday morning, right? Uh, how do you adjust your your team? And this may be it may seem like it's very uh, one hundred and one to a lot of people out there. But we still see a lot of people that are doing it wrong. So there's a reason why they teach 101 classes. So how do you adjust your your roster properly on on that Wednesday, and then again on like a Friday or Saturday? So at first on Wednesday, after I've acquired new players, I will make sure that um, you know if I'm swapping defenses and kickers that they've made their way into the right slot, uh, because very occasionally for whatever reason they may wind up on your bench rather than in your lineup. So you make sure all of those are right. You bring in the bye week people from the week before and anything like that, any injuries you need to swap out. So players playing, players not playing. You need to account for all that. And I will just set my lineup based on, like, the look of it. And frankly, you know, the projected points is, like, uh, the place where I would start. And we always talk about ignoring the projected points, but they're always right there. I wish you could turn it off, frankly. But you can't. So, he wants, you know, he it's wants just advanced, kind of there. High difficulty expert fantasy leagues where all you can see is the last name of the player. The last name of the player. I, I just want to see Williams and I have to guess which Williams I have. Is that, is that Johnson from USC? <laughs> uh. You can see their, their college. Or how about you just get the, the photo, the profile photo of the player, but not any other information. Oh, God. I think we know that even less because everyone wears helmets. So I'll I'll just set the lineup without consulting any sort of reference material. Um, But what's most important is that when you have a flex position, either a super flex, regular flex, any kind of flex position where you can slot in multiple positions into one spot, you need to make sure that um, that player is starting as late as possible in the week so that you have the most amount of Um, options to swap them in and out in case anything happens so you don't put your last wide receiver in the flex position you know if you if your team starts a quarterback and two running backs and three wide receivers and a flex just a normal regular flex um, and you have a fourth wide receiver you want to start you don't put the worst wide receiver in that spot you put the wide receiver who's playing on monday night or Sunday night, or whatever, the last position in there. Because if, for whatever reason, they don't play, say, 
something goes wrong in practice, or nowadays a player comes down with COVID on Friday, sure. then you have the most uh, amount of options. If you have a Thursday night player in your flex and they start and play on Thursday night, then you're locked into starting those four wide receivers on Thursday night. And you can't you know, swap them out for a running back later on and stuff like that. So one of the things I saw all week long was Thursday night players, Saturday night players, all starting in the flex, and it's just poor lineup management. And at a time in the league when there's basically chaos, you know, lightly controlled chaos going on, you need to give yourself as much flexibility as possible, and you need to pay closer attention to how you're setting your lineup. You know, it may or may not burn you. But when it does burn you, what happens is, and as a commissioner, I know this, people will go crying to the commissioner to help them change their lineup. And as a commissioner, you should not be allowing those changes. There is nothing um, that the site or, like, there's nothing that screwed over the fantasy manager in that position other than the fantasy manager's poor management. Sure, and, and you should never excuse that for people. You should say you have to live with what you did. <laughs> rub, his, rub his or her face in it. Is that yes, what yes. You you need to take a screenshot. This sounds of very their, personal. Of their lineup. <laughs> this has not actually happened. I mean, years and years ago, people have asked me to fix it, but this has not happened to me for years. But I still see people starting the wrong players in the flex. You know, as in, you know, you need to take the Thursday guy out of the flex put a different player in the flex keep starting the Thursday guy but I don't know it, it just it, it sort of triggers me as like a, a guy who just plays too much fantasy football talks about it all the time and tries to educate people as to the best practices that's a terrible practice it's something that you can easily remedy and it, all it takes is 10 minutes if you have lots of leagues yeah so what what i think it also um signifies as far as on the behalf of the person who who might have put the wrong player in the flex position is that they are not checking their lineups and going to get new people or moving people around as much as someone who maybe is more involved is Uh, because if they start something at the beginning of the week and it looks the way they want it to look and they never check back. Things like uh, games being flexed to uh, different times of the week. There you go. Um, or anything to do with the the COVID issues that have occurred. Certainly, like you brought up, could cause for for those flex players to suddenly have a different time and date for their game mm-hmm. anytime during that week. And so, what I usually do is just go in and look at the times uh, and whoever has the latest game of the players that I want to start. I just throw them in the flex spot. But I go in there every day or every other day and look at them all to make sure that that's still the case. Yeah. And even if you're going to wait till Thursday to do it before the Thursday game, it's still plenty of time to make all those changes. But don't wait until Sunday to make those changes because you may have left a guy in on Thursday and you may realize, oh, I don't have uh, the ability to start the three good running backs I have because someone just came back from by. Yeah. So Sounds uh, good. You know, if you guys have questions about this, if you're if it's not clear, just ask us. You know, you can hit us up in the chat. You can send us an email. Dave uh, gave those out earlier. Thanks for giving out my email address, Dave. Yeah, you got it. Dave at drink5.com. Or I'll, even, at I'll drink5. even dox com. you. I'll dox Jason. <laughs> yeah. You already know his name, so how hard could it be? I mean, I have a more common name than you do. <laughs> so, 
Mine's not. Mine's not very unique either, though. No, it's not. I mean, we're we're pretty generic uh, suburban white guys. Yeah. So can't get around that. Man. I guess that helps. It's it's a you know. I'm not sure what that helps. I don't know what that helps. I don't know where I'm going with this. Let's have a quick drink and then we'll talk about actual football. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. Get yourself some beers. Yeah, I'm gonna open up this. Blueberry Cocoa Stout. Like we mentioned earlier, we will be talking about lineup questions later in the show. So if you have something you'd like to mention and you are watching the live broadcast on YouTube, then just load up those questions, give us some information about whether you're in a PPR or a half PPR or a standard league and what you'd like us to answer for you. We'll get get to those in uh, probably 30, 40 minutes. As we do every week now, lately, we'll go around the NFL, talk about some headlines. Want to kick us off there, Dave? Okay, sure. So uh, around the NFL, from Cam Inman, as a 49ers beat reporter, he said that the uh, 49ers' Elijah Mitchell's knee issue uh, has taken a positive turn. That's in quotations, and he'll be a. I don't think you want knees to turn, really. And he'll be a game night confused. A game night decision. <laughs> On Thursday. Now, the the thing was, uh, Elijah Mitchell was on the COVID list, and that's no longer an issue. He's, uh, sorry, concussion uh, protocols. Right. And he's gone through concussion protocols. There's too many protocols. Yeah, a lot of protocols. Uh, <laughs> so he went through concussion protocols, but he still had a lingering knee thing. Uh, what is a good thing is that uh, it's taken a positive turn, according to them. However, uh, I have seen earlier today that he is going to be out for this game in week 16 so elijah mitchell can be taken out of your rosters and jeff wilson jr will again be the lead back the problem with jeff wilson jr even though he played a pretty good game last week they're up against a more difficult uh opponent this week and i'm i'm not sure that jeff wilson is going to produce the way that you might want him to uh on that offense yeah the titans i believe are giving up the fewest or second fewest fantasy points to opposing quarter uh running backs yeah and later, we'll talk about uh, the uh, – are the 49ers playing the Titans this week? Yeah, they play on Thursday night. That's the Thursday night game. Tomorrow, 49ers at Titans, 7.20 p.m. Central time. Local time as well. So, yeah, the Titans are giving up the fewest points against two opposing running backs. Gotcha. A cumulative 16.07 points to a team, which is very low. Yeah, so so it's a tough call, but for those of you who maybe maybe uh, waiting for Elijah to come back, he's not going to unfortunately, myself uh, included. It would have been nice to have him here if he's able to get healthy enough to play in the championship week. He could be very much a sleeper candidate to score fifteen to twenty points and win somebody their league. So you would hold on to him. Uh, yeah, you always hold on to the guys that can that can score 20 points. Yeah, but I mean, we've only got two weeks left. If there was any kind of shadow, uh, if there was doubt on his Week 17 availability, I would think you wouldn't hold on to him, right? There's got to be some other player on your bench that Worth does, dropping. doesn't have as much upside, unless you're in an eight-person league. It's true. He's got a lot of upside. Yeah. So uh, now talking about uh, Leonard Fournette and Dalvin Cook, who are tied for second place in the NFL at the running back position in red zone carries. With 41 red zone carries, That's a lot for of carries. Of but Jonathan Taylor 
has 73 <laughs> locked up in that first place position and pole position. And Jonathan Taylor, I know someone that, that Jason is very fond of this year. I am. Now, did Jonathan Taylor lead you to a uh, fantasy playoff, or do you just have him on teams that you appreciate having him on? Not yet. He's on my dynasty team, so I look forward to uh, having him stomp all over the place for the next couple of years. Gotcha. Uh, certainly anyone with Jonathan Taylor after the first couple games of the season where I believe he started slow-ish. He did. I, I uh, actually talked about this in my column this week. Um, Jonathan Taylor, uh, in his first what was it? In his first five games, he was not on the field for more than 55% of snaps. He averaged 65 yards per game, and he scored only two touchdowns. Yeah, He's now the fourth <laughs> highest scoring player in all of fantasy football for half PPR leagues wow. in 2021. Um you know, and one thing I was interesting uh, to see last night in full PPR leagues, Cooper Cup is number one now. Yeah, I, I saw some people saying earlier in the season. Uh, when I say earlier, I mean this past week. Uh, if it you, is earlier. If you were drafting in a redraft league that was half PPR going forward um, as the number one pick, would you take Jonathan Taylor, Cooper Cup, or um, uh, what's his face from Tennessee? Or Derrick Henry? Derrick Henry. And, well, and it's actually a, a tough decision to make. Yeah. At least especially from right now, not able to reflect on the season. Because uh, Cooper Cup has been head and shoulders above. Derrick Henry is absolutely a force. Uh, Jonathan Taylor has, the, uh, has shown his ability, uh, like Derrick Henry has in past seasons, to power through any injuries and make it to the other side. Yeah, he has really... I mean, there was that um, headline earlier in the season about... Jonathan Taylor hasn't missed a practice since high school or something like that. Right. <laughs> that's crazy. Which they shouldn't start talking about because that's just the beginning. I expected it fully expected him to tear his ACL the next week. <laughs> so we'll yeah. we'll uh hope that maybe he doesn't hear this. Uh Chiefs Tyreek Hill along with cornerback Rashad Fenton, tight end Blake Bell, Travis Kelsey, and the kicker Harrison Butker all landed on the COVID list this week with rumors of more to come. Uh, we might see the Chiefs and Steelers game get pushed back till Tuesday if things don't turn around based on the NFL's willingness to do that, regardless of what they had said earlier in the season. Yeah, so I, if I recall correctly, the initial um, statement by the NFL early in the season was that they won't postpone games. They'll force teams to forfeit if teams aren't being vaccinated and following protocols and then have an outbreak. But it seems like most of these outbreaks are despite the fact that teams are most more or less following the rules. Um, that being said, I do know that I read today Harrison Butker is not vaccinated, so he'll be out for 10 days. So he definitely will miss this game regardless of moving it or anything like that. Yeah, there's a new kicker that will come in for the Chiefs. Uh, what's interesting about uh, this situation for fantasy playoffs is the fact that if you are without Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey uh, as a as a team in the NFL, the, the Chiefs, that is a major blow to your offense. Oh, yeah. Uh, that could cause you to lose a game, even to uh, a team like Pittsburgh, who's barely over 500. You know what they would need to make up for that is like a really good quarterback. <laughs> yeah, well, Mahomes, Mahomes has played the gamut of horrible to good this year. So. You're right. You're right. He was quite good last week, but only like in the comeback stage. You get the good pat or the bad pat out there. You know, he's mostly good pat. We've seen bad pat this year, though. I have to say that without if, – if Hill and Kelsey both don't play, 
And I think that Kelsey has more of a chance than the others because he was on the COVID list more uh, earlier. Earlier, okay. Um, if Tyreek Hill doesn't end up playing the game, uh, the Steelers' defense, which is is pretty healthy and showed really well last week, um, could end up pulling off an upset against the Chiefs. Sure. I mean, they did play the Steelers, that is, play an awful team who turned the ball over like four times. Ah, well. But... Um, in order to turn the ball over, you also need the the other part of that equation. It's not. It's it it not, takes two. It takes two. You're right. <laughs> um, but but yeah, this is not out of of sorts. Not out of the conversation that the the Chiefs have uh, a major falling step. Uh, and I know that you may have a team in the playoffs with Mahomes as your quarterback, for example. Uh, but it's something to think about. If they don't have the weapons. There could be major issues there. I, I do not, thankfully. Um, <laughs> um, but you never know who's going to go down tomorrow. Yeah. Bengals running back Joe Mixon uh, will practice today. Uh, and Zach Taylor was saying, I think Joe's feeling pretty good. All the news that I've seen on Joe Mixon is that he will end up starting this game going forward. Uh, Samaje Ryan, who's the backup running back there, and in some situations a 1B, has done really well. Uh, when he's been forced to fill in as a starter for Mixon. But Mixon, as many of us have talked about over the past several weeks, was one of the highest-scoring running backs over the last four or five weeks. So the last three weeks, he's been not good at all. It was basically every week before that, he was doing great. There was an ankle injury or something like that. Yeah, so he's still getting a lot of work. 19, 18, and 17 carries over the last three games. Um, not as much action in the passing game necessarily, although you know sprinkled throughout the season was zero target games anyways. What we want to see out of Mixon is touchdowns. What we want to see out of Mixon is like the ability to help the offense move the ball. So they played um, Los Angeles, Chargers, San Francisco, Denver, all teams with respectable defenses. They played Baltimore this week, another respectable defense, and then Kansas City the week after, a defense that has played really well as of late. So, uh, you know, I don't know what to expect out of Cincinnati, to be honest with you. Every time I think I have a, you know, an idea of how that team is going, they go the other direction. So I, I'm going to withhold judgment on the on them and say, it's Mixon. He's still one of the top talents. He's going to get a lot of carries. He's still got to start him. Yep, exactly. So if he if he is starting, he is a start. Uh, the guy in in my rankings is is going to end up being pretty high up. Um, but it depends on whether or not he is is actually designated as a starter or not. So we'll have to to look and see what happens. Uh, per Darren Urban, who's a Cardinals beat reporter in an open part of Arizona Cardinals practice today, he didn't see James Conner or Rondale Moore. Arizona's game is on Christmas, which is Saturday, so Conner and Moore will need to practice on Thursday. This is basically their Friday yeah. tomorrow yeah. to have a chance at it. Conner could just be getting veteran rest. I've seen numerous articles and beat reporters pointing to him being the 1A no matter what now, uh, and that's how he's being viewed. And if he is, then that means that generally they don't have to practice all week until the last day of practice. Mm-hmm. And that signifies that they'll be healthy enough to go forward. But it's a possibility that Connor uh, doesn't play. He's played, what, 14 games now, which is more than he played uh, in the last year that he was with Pittsburgh, um, where people started to get the idea that he was injury prone. Um, of course, people have injuries. doesn't mean they're injury prone. <laughs> Uh, I mean, what does it mean? Someone's clumsy? Yeah. Uh, it's, it, or, or it just has weak ligaments? Stop hitting yourself. I, you know, 
Some people are. Some people actually are injury prone. I feel like. Yeah, but you can only really judge that after the fact. I feel. Yeah, after eight seasons of not playing uh, ten. Games. Right after they go out every year, you know, whatever. But he's played fourteen, thirteen, ten, thirteen, fourteen games every season. He's been in the league. He plays most of the games. Right. But that's different from guys that play all of the games. So he's got three games left. If he gets a hundred yards a game, he can have his best season of, of his career. Because he's never topped a thousand yards, he's already at his highest touchdown total a thousand, of his career. A thousand rushing yards, right? A thousand rushing yards. Yeah. He had fourteen hundred yards from scrimmage his second year in Pittsburgh, and he has over a thousand yards from scrimmage this year already. But it's important. This is one of these things that's important to look at because Chase Edmonds, here's a guy who was on IR, came off of IR, is still available in a lot of leagues. And is still the guy uh, that started as the starter for the Arizona Cardinals. So if Connor can't play, he's going to be going up against the Colts, who give up the fourth least fantasy points to opposing running backs. Not a great matchup, but he's a guy who catches, uh, catches passes in the backfield and would be active a lot in that game with no one else beneath him except for Eno Benjamin. So a yeah. guy to look at as a possible fill-in if you're one of your major running backs are like a Mixon or uh, an Elijah Mitchell or or someone who who might be out this coming week, so and really the Colts have been great against running backs. They would probably be number one if it wasn't for the forty point game against Leonard Fournette. Yeah, because they have not given up more than. 17.9 to any other player. That's and that was Derrick Henry in week three. Yeah, that's impressive to Henry. Yeah. Jared Goff just tested positive for COVID-19 and was placed on the reserve COVID list today. He may not play this week, and later we're going to talk about some wide receivers on the Detroit Lions that we think are good plays going forward. But if, if Goff is not the quarterback there, uh, we can't necessarily recommend their play. So... Uh, something to temper expectations on the whole Lions offense. And it's sad uh, to me. You're not a David Blau fan? <laughs> I don't know. So <laughs> I was, had to look that up. The Lions offense beginning to come together. Uh, DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams both coming back uh, from issues that they had. And, and so now it seemed like everything might be good for them to win a couple games, to look good at the end of the season. Um, and they were doing that. They were they were making upsets. They were they were creating uh, offense where people were writing them off. Yeah. But now this uh, this setback could be a huge problem. Goff could perhaps come back and play the game. Still, we don't have all the details available. So something to watch very closely over the next couple of days. And I think that's it, Jason. Unless you have something to add, we can move into our next segment here. Um, no. I mean, as always, pay attention to. Uh, when people are practicing, pay attention to, um, you know, if you have players on the COVID list, you got to see, like, anybody should be reactivated by, I think, as late as Sunday morning if they're going to be playing. So um, this time of year, if you're in the fantasy playoffs, there's no excuse for not paying attention. Uh, this is why you've played fantasy for four months. That's right. Is to get to this point. <laughs> so we shall drink to making it this far. That's what you're here for, right? And uh, and Jason and I would do this show regardless if we had teams in the playoffs or not. But spoiler alert, uh, there are a lot of teams between us in the playoffs, and there generally are every year. If I had a year that I didn't make the playoffs, I would just generate more leagues so that it didn't happen again. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should be as a fantasy expert, I would think, generally in at least a couple of playoffs 
each year. Sure. I made only two of six this year. Um, doesn't always happen. Yeah, it doesn't always happen. Want some of this? Yeah. Yeah. So we'll go over some um, upside plays, upside acquisitions uh, for week 16 and 17. Now with the change in schedule last week, your league may have pushed waivers back. I know some platforms were doing that automatically. I believe ESPN was one of them, but don't quote me. Check your league's rules, of course. Um, but for example, our leagues in Flea Flicker, it was left up to the commissioner to change it manually if they wanted to. Uh, I opted not to. I didn't want to um, I didn't want to throw everybody a curveball. Well, it is awkward to have a bunch of games on Tuesday night and then also do waivers and not something that people think uh, top of mind. Right. Uh, but, but we've done this before now. This isn't the first year that this has occurred. And granted, a lot of leagues, including a one big one that I'm in, didn't have a league last year because of, they were worried about uh, um, things not making sense or like what the NHL is doing right now, which is maybe even combining weeks, which doesn't make sense for fantasy at all. So the NHL basically took mo- canceled most of their games in the last couple of weeks I think it's been the la- I think it's been at least two weeks now yeah uh, then they're going to um, suspend the league for like four or five days uh. which they normally do over Christmas anyways one year um, a player got cut on Christmas Day and the owner's wife was so upset about it that she made the owner start a rule that uh, no transactions can be made on December 25th or 26th so there are there are owners out there they who, must be Canadian. who are humans. It probably was. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, the NHL is taking off. Uh, they canceled everything for like a four or five day span. That's coming nobody up. Nobody would watch it over later Christmas. this week. I think that they would. I mean, I don't know. Well, they're still doing like uh, footballs on man. They, in Minnesota, they're going to have a the Winter Classic on January first. Um, but anyways, what they well, the big news for them, and we'll move back to football. I promise. Yeah, please don't make this a hockey podcast because <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> they were scheduled to go to the Olympics, and they have canceled that. Canceled them going to the Olympics. The NHL will not be participating in the Olympics. They will not be sending their players to the Olympics. So they're going to reschedule all the games during that time because what they did was they cleared out a, a period of time where there weren't going to be any games during the Olympics. They are canceling all that now sure. so because just, of lots of reasons. So you're just saying they're worried about scheduling because of, of all the things going on. Well, there's a lot of issues with traveling to China and stuff like that right now, and that's where the Olympics will take place. Sure. So, um, you know, the NHL is a league that's been affected by COVID as much as any other league. And when you talk about not playing fantasy football for a year, it's because crazy things like that can happen. And I know you and I last year before the season started sat down maybe three or four times just to brainstorm all the possibilities yeah. and what we would want to do in those situations. Well, that's why we should do some uh, commissioner podcast, for example, maybe in the off season or maybe uh, during some of the time next year. But I, I like the concept of talking out the alternatives and seeing what people have done, bringing in other commissioners and interviewing them about issues they've had. Yeah. And I think what you're referring to is uh, we even had scenarios in our Dynasty League 
where we already know what will happen with the payouts uh, and with the playoffs at every step of the way. Right. If they cancel in week 10, we know what we're going to do. Yep. We have it. We have it laid out. We don't have to come up with it. We could tell people it's already on paper. before the season started what to expect. Yeah. And I think that's the strongest way to run a league is that, uh, you know, for everything you can think of ahead of time, let people know what will happen. And for all of the rest of the scenarios, then you just need to be as fair as you can. Right. It's it's like uh, your local government or, or even your national government, wherever you might happen to be. Uh, they probably already have rules that you have no idea about, but will come into effect. Right. Uh, and there's a big, long document somewhere that you can pull up. And everybody was like, well, I didn't read that. And they're like, well, it exists. Maybe in your local quadrant. <laughs> if you can't be bothered to go read it, then it's not our fault. Oh, H2, G2. <laughs> uh, upside acquisitions and plays for week 16 and 17. And Jason and I will switch off with some guys here. I wanted to start off with the quarterback position. Uh, Tua Tungavailoa, quarterback of the Miami Dolphins, 75% owned in Flea Flicker Leagues. Now, he's averaging 16.5 fantasy points over the last four weeks, Jason. Uh, he's been somewhat disappointing this year after a strong midseason effort. Yeah. That's 22 and 29 fantasy points against Jacksonville and Atlanta, respectively, this year earlier in the season. With that said, he finished as the QB 12 last week against the Jets, and he goes up against the Saints in Week 16, who are giving up the second most points per game. That's 19.9 fantasy points per game okay. to opposing quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Now, the Saints actually are a, a good defense, have been, and continue to be. They shut out the Bucks last week. But that's for a different reason. I think so. Tom Brady lost all his toys. <laughs> That's that, that's a huge part of I it. Mean, Although could, the Buccaneers have not beaten the Saints in the regular season in the last two years, they're zero and four. Uh, fair fair point. Uh, the Saints have always been a problem for the Buccaneers. Yes, much like uh, the Steelers can't beat the Bears for some reason. That's weird. Uh, with Devontae Parker scoring his first touchdown since Week Four and Jalen Waddle coming back off the COVID list to play this week, Tua should have plenty of toys as well. Uh, in spite of what's happening in, in Tampa Bay, I guess, to put up high-end quarterback two numbers in the fantasy semifinals. So, going against the Titans in Week 17 is a tougher but winnable matchup for Tua. He should be a solid QB2 there. But what I like the most is this week, this week against the Saints. Again, the Saints, what I was saying is they are a good fantasy defense. They put up a lot of points there, but regardless of how well they do as a fantasy defense, they're still putting up almost 20 fantasy points or allowing 20 fantasy points per week for the quarterback. And so uh, I see Tua as having a good game, uh, slotting in for injury, for issues, for uh, possible matchup problems. Possible Uh, COVID stuff that comes up later in the week. I mean, if you're in a two-quarterback league, you may still, you know, Jared Goff could be one of the guys in your rotation. Of he course. won't be available. Yeah, probably. Jared Goff is a is a new guy that popped up after we already did our notes for the show. Yeah, uh, and it's a perfect opportunity to play a guy like Tua who may be available in your league, especially if it's not a two quarterback league where I would expect Tua to be owned. That's um, true. But but you should definitely start true. Tua in a two quarterback league unless you have a biz problem, which we refer to heretofore as having both Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady on the same team and on a single quarterback yeah. <laughs> league. <laughs> Oh, you got to make sure you pick the right one. That's very important. Mm-hmm. You don't want to start Tom Brady the week that he scores zero points. Negative. 
Anyways, uh, at running back, Ronald Jones, speaking of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 67% owned. That was yesterday's ownership number. I don't know. I assume he was picked up in a bunch more leagues. I updated it today. Oh, thank you. So 67% owned. With Fournette out for a week or two at least, as reported by Ian Rappaport, Jones looks like he'll be a great play against the Panthers, and then they play the Jets in Week 17. I believe every single week for the last two months, I have said, start your running backs against the Jets because they are God awful against running backs. They are giving up so many more points than other players, than other teams to uh, opposing running backs. It's not even close. Um, so he's not likely to get a ton of work in the passing game, but he's going to be the primary ball carrier, and that will be an explosive offense because they will be so angry at not scoring points. They're going to have Antonio Brown back from suspension. He comes back this week. Yep, and uh, apparently he's looking fine uh, as far he's as finally healthy. Well, a lot of people were saying that maybe he has gotten out of shape for whatever reason, et cetera. But this is just the the normal crud, and Antonio Brown should be uh, back and willing to go out there and do exactly what Antonio Tom Brady Brown did. is definitely an up and down player. But generally speaking, when there's been a lot He's of never been crap out of shape. about him, yeah, I'm never <laughs> worried about that. But when there's been a lot of crap about him, he comes back and he plays well. He may not play well for five weeks in a row, but he'll play well next week. Yeah, guy comes back like the least you can expect of him out of this offense with no Mike Evans or Chris Godwin. And Mike Evans is still a toss-up, I believe. Uh, but definitely no Chris Godwin. Yeah, it would probably be for him to get like 6 for 80 or something. That's like your floor with Antonio Brown with Tom Brady in this I would matchup. concur. And Rob Gronkowski, same kind of floor there. Um, and then they've got some other options. Uh, they have Brashad Perriman. And um, yeah, Perriman also comes back this week, so they will have receivers. And Scotty Miller, yeah, but it's at least guys that Brady's familiar with. Yes, he's not throwing to a bunch of guys who have or who are catching the ball and going, "Oh my God, I can't believe I caught a pass from Tom Brady." Yeah, they'll have receivers. You know, at least there's guys who've been there before. Yeah. So um, I, I like the Ronald Jones start this week. I think that uh, especially the week after in Week 17. Um. And then Duke Johnson. So he had his first 100-yard rushing game of his career, his first two-rushing touchdown game of his career. And uh, it may be that he's found a starting role on Miami. So I wanted to bring him up for one big reason, and that's because he had a huge game, and uh, it looks like he'll be the starter on a team that really struggled at the running back position because Miles Gaskin was not impressing anybody with his 3.5 yards per carry average. So Duke, it's a fine pickup. I like that, but I only like him in an emergency situation because he is playing against the New Orleans Saints and then the Tennessee Titans. The team's giving up the two, the two fewest um, amount of fantasy points against. So they are surrendering almost nothing to opposing running backs. Um, you can't necessarily count on a guy who is just being slotted in uh, while he, he looked good last week. Um, you know that was against the Jets. Yeah, and, and kind of like what I was mentioning earlier, I think uh, Tua and the wide receivers there have a good chance to play out over the the last two games of the fantasy playoffs. But the running backs on the Miami side are probably not going to see uh, too many opportunities. I agree. I agree. But Duke Johnson is a very good guy to bring up because he's owned by so little, uh, uh, by so few people rather. Uh, and he's still a guy who could be out there scoring a touchdown in 60 yards, which is certainly more than enough points to slot in for one of these guys who isn't going to play. Right. He's going to be probably a high-volume but low-production kind of guy. Good so, uh, good flex play if you need high to High-volume, touchdown-dependent. 
Um, I mean, you remember there there are leagues that are but don't just throw them in. We're in leagues that are twelve people, but there are leagues that are fourteen, eighteen. There are, there are leagues that uh, that have even more than that. So uh, the shallower uh, the available waiver wire, um, and uh, you know the deeper your bench goes, based on the uh, volume of people that are in the league, sure. the more you need these kinds of guys. Yeah. So talking about that a little bit with uh, two guys that are also less than 50% owned in Flea Flicker Leagues, I'll go into uh, wide receivers Josh Reynolds and Amon Ross St. Brown, both from the Lions. Now keep in mind that we did just talk about Jared Goff being on the COVID list, and I'm not sure that we should trust these receivers without Goff there, but the game scheme uh, and offensive play calling should be the same. Uh, at least on Amon Ra's perspective, we should we should probably look at him as still being a high target uh, wide receiver for this upcoming week. Josh Reynolds is more of a, a guy I think that has done well because he's with Jared Goff, who who he had a, a an existing chemistry with from all of his years on the Rams. That helps. So Josh Reynolds, twenty three percent owned, claimed by the Lions back in early November after being released by the Titans. Uh, of course, reunited him with his former quarterback Jared Goff. Now Jared Goff uh, and Josh Reynolds set career highs for Reynolds: fifty two receptions and six hundred and eighteen receiving yards before becoming a free agent after the twenty twenty season. He earned Josh some money, that's for sure. Because we have T.J. Hawkinson out, uh, that is opening up targets for these guys that would normally go uh, as as little uh, put off passes to T.J. And you can see that more in Amon Ross St. Brown, who's 49% owned. And uh, should you be playing receivers on the Detroit Lions? Yeah, I think you should. Um, as long as you think the situation is steady uh, and stable enough for you to to call it on the semifinal or championship games. But a guy like Amon Ross St. Brown, over the past... Uh, over the past three games has had 11 targets on average and two top 10 positional finishes. Not something to scoff at, not something to glaze over. The first time this happened, it could have been something that was just uh, you know, a blip on the radar. But but because it happened multiple times, now we look at it as a trend. Sure. Amon Ra is their, is their greatest uh, offensive receiving threat. I mean, he's probably the greatest offensive threat on the team that's healthy. DeAndre Swift is back. Oh, is he back? Yeah. I didn't think he was healthy. Swift and Williams are both back this week. Okay, I see. I assume that they were both not playing still. So yeah, they're both back. Uh, but Amon Ra is someone to totally grab and play. Uh, now you're going to have to measure if Goff is still out. If you are willing to try to roll those dice, but looking at the amount of targets he has in that offense, he's still going to be targeted by the offense, uh, regardless of who is under center. So. Granted, uh, I wrote this this afternoon. It's changing a little bit with Goff out. <laughs> but if Goff was to come back in, it's exactly the same. And even if Goff is out, Amon Ross St. Brown will probably still finish as a wide receiver three or flex territory for the week. So he's still worthy of a start, regardless of, of the guy throwing him the ball, in my opinion. So, yeah, and that would be David Blau or, or I guess Tim Boyle. Was it Tim Boyle who started earlier this year? Sounds familiar, but uh, so those are the two quarterbacks that they have. I try not to pay too much attention to the Lions. Yeah, Tim Boyle went uh, fifteen <laughs> for thirty-three for seven, fifteen of twenty-three for seventy-seven yards and two interceptions. Not so great against Cleveland in Week Eleven. Perhaps they decided to go with David Blau, who started five games back in two thousand nineteen. So we'll see what happens with them. Well, let's move on to the tight ends, and and we can sure. we can 
glaze over some of these quick ones here. Yeah, so we've got Cole Komet owned uh, the tight end for Chicago, 52% owned in leagues. Um, so the you know waiver wire pickings are often random for tight end. Um, what you're looking for is a guy who can get you 10 points, right? Who's not random. I mean, it feels random <laughs> Komet sometimes. has been a good tight end all year. I don't mean Komet is random. I mean, like, when you're picking a new guy every week, it feels like it gets a bit random. Okay, well, I, I try not to stream tight ends, I guess. It'd be great to draft a guy, but if you don't invest that draft capital, then you're stuck. Or if you have a uh, well, Darren Waller who didn't play. For I'm only suggesting weeks. you don't pick a player at random. It seems like a bad strategy. Okay, don't throw a dart. <laughs> <laughs> Even though there are things as dart throws. We'll get to that in a moment. So anyways, Komet has scored 10 points in three of the last six games. He's averaging seven targets per game over that time. So this week the Bears go to Seattle. The Seahawks are giving up the sixth most points to opposing tight ends. So he's second. Komet is second in targets, receptions, and receiving yards on the Bears. So it's not like it's an epic offense, but the next two matchups are against the Seahawks and the Giants. Uh... Not exactly, you know, great defenses uh, that are striking fear in anybody. So if also, uh, and not that I am this person, but if you think that people are due in certain times, Komet hasn't scored a touchdown all year. Who thinks that? So perhaps he's due. Gamblers? I, you know. Get out of here. If you're a gambler, he's due. <laughs> you're going gonna to roll a six eventually, right? I'm not, you know, going to worry about Komet this week. I think I have the tight end position solid in my two uh, playoff leagues. Um, but but Komet has been a valuable asset for uh, Justin Fields or Andy Dalton or whoever the quarterback is. There. Right, he's played well under all, both of them. I was looking uh, actually at his individual games earlier in the year just to be like, uh, well, he plays well with one or the other, but he plays well with both. I, I actually liked him as a dynasty asset to begin the year. The only problem with that was that the quarterback play was so poor over the year, regardless of who was slotted in for the Chicago Bears, yeah. that he just can't be included in that in that short list. Yeah. But he's almost there, right? That's the reason. He's like he's like a bridge guy who's bridging between a possible every week starter and a random tight end. Prospect. And a random tight end. <laughs> so, uh, Brevin Jordan, tight end for Houston, 18% owned. So, if you do need that dart throw at tight end, maybe you have a guy who winds up going down with COVID on Friday or something like that, and there aren't many options left, he should still be available late in the week on your waiver wires. He has three touchdowns in his last six games. He had seven targets in his last game. He did not play last week, although he was active um, because of a hand injury. So keep an eye and make sure he practices this week. He is in a good spot uh, if you lose your last-minute player because uh, they play the Chargers, who are giving up the second-most points to opposing tight ends. So that's a great little spot start if you want to, um, you know, if you uh, not want to, if you are forced to ditch whatever tight end that you are planning on starting this week okay. and have to grab someone off the waiver wire. Um, so uh, uh, on the kickers, as we mentioned, uh, like with Harrison Butker, who was put on the COVID list on Monday and it was uh, let loose today that he will be out for 10 days because of his vaccination uh, status or lack of vaccination. Um, he will be out week 16. Here's some kickers that you can consider. Greg Zerline, 81% owned, has at least 8.4 points in each of his last eight games where he attempted a kick. Um, there was a game there that he set out. There was a game there where they didn't attempt any kicks. 
Uh, Nick Folk, 76% owned. He's the top-scoring kicker in the NFL. He's going against Buffalo, uh, so there should be a lot of offense in this game, unlike the first time that those two teams played. You know, he's only 76% owned because he had a bye week late in the season, and people just decided not to pick him up. I just picked him up in two leagues earlier today to replace Butker. And he's had a, I could not believe it. He's had a plus sign, uh, which in most leagues signifies that he is questionable every single game that he's played the entire year. And that's year. just a Belichick thing. <laughs> Tom Brady was questionable every single game of his career in uh, New England. Well, good, good for you for picking him up. I, I've had Nick Folk in many leagues, and I, I have him still in several fantasy playoff leagues and i don't understand why there's not more fanfare associated with nick folk and the guy who i did pick up when nick folk wasn't available evan mcpherson kicker for cincinnati 35 percent owned only last week he made kicks of 53 and 58 yards he had a game earlier this year where he made four 50 yard field goals or maybe three and another field goal he's the fifth highest scoring kicker uh on the season yeah i think people get only 35 percent owned people get complacent with the guy that they have yeah. Uh, and they don't look and see what's available. And look, I trash kickers and defense all the time. Yeah. But everything is important in the fantasy playoffs. This is important. Spend a little bit of time. Look over your waiver wire. Figure out who you want to start. Consider their matchup. Consider how their offense is playing. You can invest 15 minutes in figuring out your kicker. You know, those things are also important in the regular fantasy league. Fine. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. <laughs> Right. And at defense, the Philadelphia Eagles are 38% owned. This week they play the Giants, giving up the 10th most points to opposing DSTs. Um, the Giants just gave up 16 points to the Cowboys last week. The Eagles have Washington coming up in Week 17. The New Orleans Saints, 72% owned. They get Miami, then Carolina. Last week the Saints put up 18 points against the Bucks. Uh, both Miami and Carolina are giving up top 10 points to opposing DSTs. And the last uh, option here I have for you are the Los Angeles chargers their upcoming opponents are houston and denver so if you think that davis mills and probably drew Locke, starting for the uh broncos can generate points for your defense uh and special teams then you are right because those guys will turn the ball over they are um not great quarterbacks yet yeah i i also like miami uh the miami dolphins defense is fantasy playoffs over the last four weeks, the Dolphins uh, have been the number six defensive unit in all of the NFL, uh, holding opposing teams to an average of nine points. Uh, and they've been getting turnovers, uh, and uh, like they're getting a Saints offense that literally can't do anything but run the ball. When they can't run the ball, can't do anything. Yeah, but they have Taysom Hill, so they're going to be able to run the ball. Okay. Well, just saying that I think they're a sneaky play that's top ten defense for this particular week. Uh, and Miami is an, an undervalued defense and has been for, for the whole season. All right. Uh, let's go you, ahead. You've been on the Miami train several times this year. It's, yes. Let's go ahead and talk about audience lineup questions. Uh, let's see if we have some from the chat room. Uh, right now we have a, a question. You have to bench one for the semifinals. Who are you benching? Debo, Deontay, Antonio, or Keenan? Now, do you know all their last names? Uh, Samuel Johnson, <laughs> Gibson, Brown, and Allen. Oh, Antonio Brown. Yeah. So See, he, he hasn't been playing, so it didn't click. So you have to bench one for wide receivers, and you have uh, uh, Debo Samuel, Deontay Johnson, Antonio Brown, and Keenan Allen. Okay, so Debo plays on Thursday night against the Titans. Um, that, just because it's Thursday night, is my initial pick. But then again, Titans are giving up the second most points to opposing wide receivers. So, I don't know how I feel about that. So I'm I'm gonna uh, bench Antonio Brown out of those guys. I think they're all awesome. But uh, the guy that comes back 
from injury that comes back from not playing is very unpredictable. More unpredictable than the others. Yeah, I, I would uh, have to agree with that. But that's a good, Who a good place to be in, Brad. Uh, a good place to be in, the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay, so the Chiefs are, um, you know, doing a lot better against – but then again, they don't – you know, it's Deontay Johnson and then the rest of the receiving core there. Yeah, he's going to get 10 targets in that game. Yeah, and Keenan Allen's going to get lots of work as he always does. So Antonio Brown there. But it, it sucks uh, and is great at the same time to have that particular problem. What a great problem. Why don't you consider flexing one of them? <laughs> Uh, but remember, pick the guy who starts at the end of the week. Assuming you have a flex position. Uh, Brooks Rig Trupp asks, uh, in a PPR format, which four do I play to get to the championship? And I have CeeDee Lamb, Mike Williams, Van Jefferson, Amon Ra, A.J. Brown, and Jalen Waddell. So uh, which four uh, come out to you? So as there's the one, two, three, four, five, six in that uh, group. So we have to eliminate two, essentially. A.J. Brown is returning from injury this week, but... They have no one else to throw it to, per se. Waddle coming back from COVID, again, um, you know, coming back, you're not always sure, but Waddle has been so good. Amon Ra is probably one of the guys who would be on the outside of this, just because it sounds like we'll be without Jared Goff this week. CeeDee Lamb, you got to start. Mike Williams is like, what, what do you call him, six points or 20 points? Yeah. You know, um, he's done six a lot lately, so maybe he's due for a 20. There's there's being due again. Uh, and Van Jefferson is another one of those guys that are, like, very boomer bust. Um, so you you said what I I like CD. I like Waddle. And you got to pick some boomer bust guys here. So Mike Williams probably has the highest floor of all the boomer bust guys because he'll still get six catches. It just might be for 40 yards. Um, and then I guess I would roll out A.J. Brown because he's got the highest ceiling. Okay. What do you like there? So I disagree with your with your premise uh, that you have to start boomer bust guys. I don't think you need to start upside. I was thinking about this to myself. I'm just saying that there's there's two good starts there and four boomer busts. I don't think that it's necessary to have any boomer bust players. I think it's better always in all situations to limit your exposure and to play consistent and stable points Okay. rather than trying to get upside that could bite you in the ass. So who do you like? So I would take out Williams and Jefferson. Uh, take out Mike Williams and Van Jefferson from that lineup. Uh, giving you CeeDee Lamb, Amon Ra, A.J. Brown, and Waddle, all of whom should have the highest amount of targets as a floor. They'll have the most targets on their respective teams. Yeah. I see where you're coming from with that. But, I mean, you can be the boom. I mean, we both agree that Van Jefferson is sitting there, so essentially what you're saying is you would start Amon Ra St. Brown over Mike Williams. Yeah, because regardless of his quarterback position, Mike Williams could easily score you five, where Amon Ra in PPR is probably going to get five targets in the first half. Uh, Max four two four zero four three nine zero, which uh, is rolls off the tongue. is almost enough for a phone number. I don't really know what that is. Uh, <laughs> uh, Schultz or Gasicki this week in standard scoring, and and uh, uh, who would you play? Um. I would go with Gesicki. We, we talked about how Tua is probably going to uh, keep swinging up, and we'll talk in a moment about Dak Prescott. Um, uh, and I don't—I'm not impressed with what he's been doing lately. So I would go with Mike Gesicki. 
Okay, that's fair. I have them pretty close. Uh, I don't really do standard ranking, rankings as a rule. I do half PPR rankings and then adjust accordingly based on the amount of targets that the receivers uh, are getting. Uh, and so I, I, I would go with your gut. And uh, I don't disagree with Jason that the Cowboys offense has had trouble putting the ball in people's hands over the past couple weeks. I like Tua and his receiving threats over the next two games, so we'll go with Kosicki. Okay. Uh, Jay Goldman 33 asked, "Do I start Jalen Hurts over Dak Prescott?" He said, this week? "Do I do I start? <laughs> Let, let's let's get it right." He he did. He <laughs> so did. Jalen Hurts over Dak Prescott. I, I think so. I mean, Jalen Hurts is the worst great quarterback in the league, and because he still has that great fantasy ceiling, uh, and Dak Prescott has not. He has one touchdown, Dak does, in each of the last three games. Has not gone over 238 yards. Uh, he's not running the ball at all. You know, he has 11 total rushing yards over that time. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Uh, Lenny B13 asks, uh, running back two this week for my team, do I pick Joe Mixon, Miles Sanders, or Ronald Jones? Oh, that's a great collection of rb2s yeah so assuming that uh that mixon is going to play uh do we start uh joe mixon or miles sanders or ronald jones so i did not see miles sanders last night but he apparently had 18 carries for 131 he was great they're actually giving him the ball now it's a it's i don't understand why it didn't happen earlier in the season two weeks in a row 42 total carries now but i i'm i'm considering starting him in my starting lineup plus three and two receptions uh, they play the Giants next week. I like that matchup. Um, I have Ronald Jones higher, however, uh, in in my uh, in my rankings than because of the uh, explosiveness of the Tampa Bay offense. Yes, and I was just gonna say, uh, you know, because Tampa Bay is gonna be out for blood um, because of you know their lack of production last week. The Panthers are going to get creamed and. Uh, there could be garbage time. And if it's garbage time, it's going to be plenty of Ronald Jones. But I, I like Jones and Sanders, especially because uh, I know I, I said picture that Mixon is is playing, but currently we don't know that that's the case. So with the two guys that are more likely to, uh, to retain their current positions within the teams, uh, I think Ronald Jones and then Sanders. Now keep in mind, too, that we, we talked up Ronald Jones, and sure, he's in a great theoretical position, but this could be a situation in which uh, he goes out and fumbles, and it's Giovanni Bernard and Keyshawn. No, Giovanni Bernard is on the IR. Oh, well, then it could be Keyshawn. I won't be Keyshawn Vaughn. I'm just saying. I know, but like, These things they have happened. really don't like Keyshawn Vaughn. Yeah, it's well, amazing that he's still on the roster. Well, you can you can toss away my suggestion, but the you know there is a distinct possibility that Ronald Jones doesn't have a good game. Sure. I mean, that's possible for anybody. So would you say that Sanders has the higher floor? Yes, that's exactly what I'm trying to and, say. And Jones has a higher ceiling? Yeah, that Jones could be... Jones' ceiling could be a Fournette-type game. Yeah, he could score 30 points out there ridiculously, uh, but Sanders will probably get you 12 points no matter what happens. Yeah. And and so that's it's it's tough. But I would, I would not start Mixon unless there is solid news that he's going to be the starter... Uh, and you know the Cincinnati Bengals uh, look like they're going to do really well because the Bengals are playing the Ravens. Because who knows with that interdivisional game? Yeah, anything could happen in the AFC North. All right, well we have two more. Uh, unless there's anything else from the from the chat room that you can see. 
Uh, so what we've got is an Ertz or Pitts. So uh, Zach Ertz or Kyle Pitts this week. Arizona is going to be playing the Colts. Ertz or Pitts. And Pitts uh, on the Falcons will be playing the Lions. Oh, uh, I like Zach Ertz. What do you like? Um, so Kyle Pitts has like been quietly one of the best rookie tight ends that the NFL has ever seen. But not scoring any touchdowns. Not scoring any touchdowns. Um, <laughs> and the Cardinals offense has really struggled. What you mean is Kyle Pitts is a wide receiver that's doing pretty well. He's doing fine for a wide receiver. He's doing excellent for a tight end. I think that I think I would have to go with Kyle Pitts. Okay, well, I currently have Ertz ranked five and Pitts ranked ten, uh, but but anything could happen. The reason why I think Ertz is a better play this week is because he's going to score a touchdown, whereas Pitts is statistically uh, unlikely to do the same. That's you know statistically, or maybe Dave. You know what I'm gonna say? Uh, He's due. I don't. I don't like this. <laughs> I don't like it either. Do you, I, th- I think it's absolute nonsense. Do you have some, I just like the concept. Do you have some kind of gambling message board where you guys just say to each other, "You're due." Is that so and so is due? <laughs> you know, I mean, I whenever it's said, I hope it's a joke and people don't actually act on it. Mm. All but right, you got to keep it light, right? Ao, it's Linneo asks uh, Kyler Murray or Tom Brady oh, this week. Good reading of that. Uh, uh, handle there. Dave. I am a reader, yes. <laughs> Tom Brady. LeVar Burton taught me how to read. Oh, cheers to the reading rainbow. That's right. And Tom Brady. Uh, so Tom Brady versus Kyler Murray. Uh, I, I'm going to take Kyler Murray over Tom Brady. Again, uh, we like to think that Gronkowski and Antonio Brown are going to be enough for him to overcome uh, the inequity uh, uh, that he has at the wide receiver uh, position right Tom now. Brady got shut out for only the third time in his career last week. Okay. Tom Brady will throw the ball to the damn water boy if that's what it takes to score well, touchdowns this clearly, week. Clearly, Rob Gronkowski by himself is not enough. And uh, if I've learned nothing from, from paying attention to uh, my fiance Jessica, not starting players after they are injured, uh, then I wouldn't... Then I would start Antonio Brown, I guess. I don't know what you're saying there, but... It becomes more complicated as the podcast goes on. Yeah, that makes sense. I have Kyler Murray uh, at 5 and Tom Brady at 8. And I think that Tom Brady can, in any game, uh, you know, be the top scorer. But more generally, I think that Bruce Arians is going to try to win this football game through running the ball and managing the, the, the game as opposed to Tom Brady just uh, trying to throw for as many touchdowns as possible. Yeah, I just think that the Colts will be able to continue to keep Kyler Murray from having explosive games um, like he was, you know, had, like has been the trend lately. I think they just had a bad game versus the, the Lions, but we will, we will see. They certainly did have a bad game against the Lions. Of, of all the games I was updating you on on Sunday, that was the most fun. Thanks. B-Town79 <laughs> asks, uh, Week 16 playoffs flex PPR. Who starts for me, Devin Singletary at New England or Antonio Brown at Carolina or A.J. Green versus Indianapolis or Jarvis Landry at Green Bay? So we need a flex position. Uh, Is it Singletary, Brown, Green, or Landry? It doesn't have to be a color. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Now, Singletary was uh, recently sort of anointed the finally after the entire season is basically over yeah the the starting running back role of the buffalo bills how often do the bulls did the bills bother to run the ball against new england 
And what's great is that since Josh Allen has uh, like a little semblance of a of a uh, leg or ankle injury, um, it looks like that might actually carry forward. To me, this is between Antonio Brown and AJ Green. Um, if you like Dave, believe in Kyler Murray, then I think you would have to go with AJ Green. He's a real person, Jason. <laughs> or like me, if you believe in Tom Brady, then you would have to go with Antonio Brown. Um, so. Uh, I guess it depends on which of those two quarterbacks you think will do well this week. Although, frankly, I would lean A.J. Green just because he has been more solidly incorporated into that offense and he has now moved up into the main spot, whereas I could easily see Gronkowski getting the most targets for Tampa Bay this week. So I'm mostly on the A.J. Green side of this. I gotcha. Well, I I would start Antonio Brown over all those guys. Okay, so uh, we we pick a a, a a cardinal and a buck, and then a cardinal and a buck. <laughs> so what we're saying is, <laughs> I, we think those offenses are going to score some points. Yeah. Uh, uh, maybe in spite of themselves, but they're, gosh darn it, they're going to do it. Okay, so we have one <laughs> more question, and it's a kicker question. So we're going to ignore it. No, I'm kidding. What is this? <laughs> Look, if you want to ignore the kicker and defense positions, fine. But you're not going to win any fantasy championships out of that I kid, I kid. attitude. Greg Joseph or Daniel Carlson? I have to admit, I don't know what team Greg Joseph is on. Vikings. Okay. Now, I was at the Vikings-Steelers game, and I learned firsthand from all the Vikings fans that every time that Greg Joseph lines up to kick, the entire fan base of the Minnesota Vikings takes a deep breath and, and just imagines that it, it will be a horrible situation. And that's not because of Greg Joseph necessarily, but because of the last couple kickers they've it's had. because they live in a frozen hellscape? Yes, that. But also okay. because the last couple kickers they've had have put them into bad situations, uh, lost playoff games because of it. Um, you know, all those all those things have occurred. If you remember, their last kicker got wrapped up in like a scandal. Uh, he was the guy who played World of Warcraft, and uh, I forget his name. Uh but he was like a he was a guy that people really liked and he was even like on reddit forums was he in a people. band and then he Chris had, Cluey. yeah Cluey. and he ended up like uh like getting canceled as one of the one of the first people to be canceled um you know anyway <laughs> i i he's in a band called tripping icarus i like uh i like greg joseph and um one of the good reasons to like him is that uh the 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 Rams that 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 are going to be defending uh, against the Minnesota Vikings are going to be holding them a lot of times to not getting touchdowns, and that's one of the uh, the shining beacons. One of the things you want to have happen when you're starting a kicker. Yeah, to pick kickers, and but Greg Joseph has not shown himself to be one of the most accurate kickers uh, in the NFL, uh, whereas Daniel Carlson. Uh, going up against Denver, um, he. I feel like the same thing could happen to the Raiders. They'll move the ball, but they won't. They they won't necessarily be scoring touchdowns. Partly because they don't have the big playmakers. Partly because Denver's defense is respectable. So yeah. I, I would go with. Um, I would go with Carlson. Well, what I would generally do in in all of these circumstances is look at the defensive team that they're going up against. And, and see um, what the fantasy points versus opposing kickers is. Uh, and then think about their defense as far as like... If we can see that. If a team is able to get into the uh, like 40, 30, 20-yard uh, zone, 
uh, of of that opposing team. Uh, how likely do you think it is that Denver or the Rams can push them back out of field goal um, opportunities? So the Rams are giving up uh, right in the middle uh, the 16th most points to opposing kickers. The Broncos the 24th most. The difference between the two teams is basically one point. Yeah, so uh, I like the idea of Minnesota's offense uh, being able to drive the ball down into uh, scoring territory more than the Raiders because they have Jefferson and Cook, uh, and uh, the guys on the Raiders just uh, don't have standout players like that. Too. Sure, but I, I look at a guy, a guys like Jefferson and Cook, and I say they're going to be way more likely to find the end zone than the guys that you know, Jacobs and Zay Jones. And... But the Rams' defense is uh, better than the Broncos' defense. It's true. That's why this is a question and not a given. It's a toss-up, and, and one in which I take uh, Greg Joseph. We've, we've landed on the opposite side of a lot of these either-ors today. He takes Daniel Carlson. Okay, and uh, another question from the chat. Van Jefferson or A.J. Green PPR? I think we would both agree on this one that it would be A.J. Green. I don't think so. Uh, oh, wow. I, I think I would take Van Jefferson. Let me think about that for a moment. You seem to be down on A.J. Green at the moment. No. Even though you like the Kyler Murray this week. Hmm. I just I saw Odell Beckham not really being used at all, uh, and I think that um, maybe there were a couple games where he was getting passes, but that whatever was being used to defend him previously has kind of bubbled up to the top. I mean, we're talking about Van Jefferson, not Odell Beckham, though. Yeah, but it's, it's an important thing to discuss the other player that is a downfield threat. So Minnesota is giving up the most points to opposing wide receivers. Um, the Detroit Lions. Oh no, who does Arizona play this week? I forget. Uh, the Colts' defense is third against fantasy wide receivers. Third best. Yeah, this is why. Uh, again, either situation could happen, and I have AJ Green. That I may I may start, but I believe on a team that I had a choice between those, and I have Van Jefferson in currently. Uh, that same scenario. And I think uh, for me that it's just more likely this particular week versus those particular opponents that Van Jefferson scores more fantasy points. That's it. Uh, I have I have more that I'm falling on that uh, sort of fantasy points against kind of Interesting. Philosophy. So I, I would have to go with A.J. Green still right. just because he's the primary uh, receiver on that team. And then, you know, Cooper Cup is the first and second receiver on the Rams. So I guess um, yeah, our answer is you have to pick between us. What's great? Who you like more? What's great about having will a, dictate who you start. A secondary guy is that is that he's not the guy who's covered by the main defensive back. Yeah, but that doesn't seem to matter for Cooper Cup in PPR. Well, he not, has six games. But over we're not 30 talking points. about Cooper Cup. We're talking about the secondary wide receiver. Right? That's true. Um, we'll see. We will. And, and, you know, there's no way that people can agree on the same stuff uh, day in and day out anyway. But according that would to, be a boring podcast. According to my rankings, A.J. Green is just buried a little bit because of how good the Colts defense is. Okay. So um, thank you all for having a listen this week. Uh, good luck in your playoff matchups. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on YouTube and to follow us on Twitter and hit us up on Instagram, on Facebook, all of the um, – you know, good places where you can get all of our information. Go to our website, drink5.com. Later this week, we will have the rookie report. We will have confidence picks and maybe some surprises as well. You'll be able to go see uh, all of Dave's rankings. 
and good luck on Sunday. Uh, join us next week for the final week of fantasy football. Final week. Cheers. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>